Welcome to Sports with Chris Rawl. Please subscribe, like, and comment on our YouTube channel at CEO.com. On today's show, the wise words of the wisest man, Bob Rotella. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. We're going to start the show where we always begin this show. One reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. Thursday night, college football. Ohio State is playing at Minnesota. I'm taking the Buckeyes and Brutus at minus 13 and a half. Because it is time to watch a real Big Ten football game. Not whatever Nebraska-Illinois was on Saturday that I'm still reeling from that I will discuss later on in the meat of this show. Ohio State, they are one of the five best teams in the nation. Alongside Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, they are one of the five teams that matter when it comes to the national title race. So let's bet on them. Let's take Ryan Day. Let's take the Buckeyes, minus 13 and a half. We have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere because it will make you feel for the very first time in a long, 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 long time that the team you are cheering for can win a national title. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. How do you find meaning in anything you do? One of the great existential questions of life. Now, there's no clear-cut answer here because meaning is open to individual interpretation, uh, which kind of leads each person down this path every day of trying to find meaning in whatever they're doing. Uh, On a small scale, on a large scale, somewhere in between, doesn't matter. But every single day, each person is kind of trying to find that particular meaning. And again, there's no overarching answer to this question. It depends upon the individual. Uh, You can't force meaning upon somebody. I can't jump through uh, your earbuds or or through this screen and say, this is what you should care about. This will provide meaning in this individual activity or in your life in general. Uh, So you just kind of have to find your way. Some people, they'll gravitate towards money. And this is the catalyst for why I feel fulfilled within my own life or Love for family or reputation or power or personal relationships. Go down the list. There are a million different things that anybody can derive meaning from if they so choose. And there's not necessarily right or wrong answers. It's just personal choice. You go, you explore, you find what appeals to you, and you pursue that. So with that in mind, I can only speak clearly about my own motivation for doing things, right? Um, How do I find meaning in anything that I do? And for me, it's a very simple equation. It boils down to one simple priority, happiness. Uh, How can I maximize that particular emotion for myself? That's why my daily activities revolve around a very familiar pattern of things. Uh, This show, which I love doing, and I talk about things on this show that I really love, sports. Uh, I go golfing every day something that appeals greatly to me when it comes to that happiness factor. And then at nighttime, a lot of consuming and watching and gambling on sports. Uh, Again, this circle of happiness for me in particular that revolves around three things that really do bring that particular emotion in great quantities. So I want to concentrate on golf for a second because anybody who golfs knows that if your number one priority is happiness, then you must be able to detach from your score because you will very, very rarely shoot a score that you're genuinely pleased with. That's how the game of golf is structured. This mountain that can literally never be climbed, so you just try over and over and over 
Uh, and that's true for amateurs and professionals alike. Uh, when it comes to the score specifically that you turn in at the end of the round, there is always regret built into each round. That, again, is the way that the sport of golf is structured. I can shoot my career low, and part of that experience is coming off the course. I go, man, if I just didn't do that on this hole and didn't do this, I could have been four shots better, despite the fact that I just shot my career low. Uh, professionals, they can go out and shoot 59 and you can still hear a similar tell. Yeah, I actually left a few shots out there. If I just would have hit this iron closer or, you know, I missed a putt from seven feet, if that would have gone in, uh, it's a similar mindset. Uh, Golf is a game that cannot be mastered. Uh, Thus, my motivation for playing has to kind of exist outside of the score itself. That's a determination that I came to relatively early on within my own career. So there is a man who is a sports psychologist. His name is Bob Rotella, a very prominent figure within the world of golf, one of the wisest men uh, that has ever uttered words that a lot of people consume. And one of the wise proclamations that Bob Rotella has gifted to the golf world, which pertains to the sport itself, but also really pertains to life as an experience, is love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be, which is a revelatory truth for somebody like me. Because when you consider that my priority is happiness and how do I find that and how do I maximize my happiness within this sport that I do love, that sometimes can be frustrating when I care greatly about my score, uh, this particular mantra is enlightening. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. On repeat, every single day I go and golf. So every single day I'm kind of striving to find what the challenge is, which is different every day within the game of golf. And how do I show love for that challenge? Um, And the idea behind this statement, it's pretty simple because nothing is ever perfect in the way that you want it to be. doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be a vacation. It could be your work week. It could be a relationship. It could be a hike in the mountains. It could be a round of golf. You name it. Like go down the list of anything that you could possibly be doing. And nothing is ever picture perfect in the way that your mind could possibly conjure up. Uh, Literally everything that you do when it comes to maximizing happiness, it's going to revolve around accepting the challenge of an imperfect situation that is right there before you and finding love for that situation, right? It's extracting whatever positive things you can from the experience. So for the game of golf, in my mind, if I'm sitting there uh, within a dream world, I go, yeah, I would love if every day golf was me going out and shooting a 63 on a 70 degree day and there's no wind and I'm playing with my friends and every hit that I, or every shot that I hit is picture perfect. That would be great. Instead, that doesn't happen. Uh, sometimes I go out to play golf and the weather is brutal because I golf in Utah and very rarely is the actual setting when it comes to weather picture perfect. So there's a bunch of wind or it's raining off and on or there's a bunch of smoke in the air as there is right now. Um, But when that situation is there, you know, I've found an avenue to really love playing in great quantities of wind or when it's smoky or any of these conditions because, A, I just like the game and I like being out there with my friends and B... It's a great experience for when that stuff happens in a tournament and I'm not in a foreign setting now and I've been prepared for this situation by practice and repetition. Um, 
Sometimes the challenge of the day is I'm playing terrible golf and I just got to keep my head in it. And maybe I make eagle on 18 to shoot a 79 or an 80. Not a good score, but it shows me, okay, I can keep my head in the game. And that's a valuable thing that I can use in life and also in golf when maybe things aren't going my way within a tournament or within a money game. And I stick it out and grind whatever I can out of the round. Maybe it's I am playing great and I make a double on 18 to shoot a 70. And instead of walking off the course angry, I'm going, I played a very good round of golf. Um, I'm content with that. I was under par. That's always a good sign for somebody like me. And so rather than going home feeling like I let an opportunity slip away, I can look at the round as a whole and understand that the challenge of the day was feeling good about something that ended sourly. I could go on and on and on and on for the ways that golf as a sport presents various challenges every single day that are always different and that I'm continually learning, A, how to love those challenges and B, just finding my own way within that world as I seek to maximize happiness, which is my priority when it comes to life and when it comes to golf. So there are very few statements in my life that resonate more than Bob Rotella's words. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. Some days, pretty easy to do for me. Other days, infinitely more hard, which leads us into the weekend and the biggest sporting event within my own life as a very big Nebraska football fan. Nebraska opens the college football season, week zero. They are the first game on Nebraska at Illinois, Big Ten battle. Scott Frost in year four, Brett Bielema year one. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a very meaningful football game for the Big Ten title race or for the national title race. But for Nebraska football program, it was and is a very big game. Um, and Nebraska loses the game 30-22, to 22, which kind of sets the stage for this discussion of finding meaning and those words of Bob Rotella. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. Um, if you've watched any Nebraska loss in the last decade, then you've watched Saturday's game. It's just, it's the same movie on repeat, as Scott Frost said in his post-game press conference. It is a tragic comedy of errors for the Nebraska football team. Again, on repeat. Uh, and even as a person who watches every single Nebraska game, I'm still continually astounded by the ways that Nebraska can find to screw up a football game. It starts with the first points of the game. Cam Taylor-Britt, who is one of the very best players on Nebraska's roster, he's back to return a punt. He makes the ill-advised decision to run backwards and filled it around his own three or two-yard line and then runs back into the end zone and then panics and he's throwing the ball away. Next thing you know, it's a safety for Illinois. It's <laughs> Again, as a person who watches every Nebraska game, when something that strange takes place out of the gate, an error on Nebraska side that you just don't really see that often, you always have the most familiar of feelings. You go, oh no, I've seen this before and I know the way this game goes. And indeed, I knew the way the game would go. Uh, Nebraska kicker Connor Culp, he misses two extra points. He has three opportunities to kick them in the game. He misses two of them. Uh, Nebraska, they're up by a touchdown. They make an interception. It looks like they're ready to get the game and, and they have the ball at midfield up a touchdown. Now we can put our foot on Illinois' throat. Instead, flag comes out. Roughing the passer, plus unsportsmanlike conduct after the play. 
So now, instead of Nebraska having the football up seven, Illinois ball, plus 30 yards of field position, that they end up scoring shortly thereafter a touchdown to tie up the game. Pretty big swing when it comes to uh, the natural twists and turns of a football game. Right before halftime, Adrian Martinez, a man who has built his entire Nebraska career on making brilliant plays and immediately following them with incredible mistakes. He sits in the pocket too long. He fumbles. Illinois scoop and score to take the lead into the half. Um, It's Adrian Martinez again, just missing wide open receivers on the very few plays that Nebraska wide receivers were able to create separation, including one play in the first half where he's got a wide open touchdown in front of him. He just overthrows his receiver. Could have been a touchdown for Nebraska. Should have been a touchdown for Nebraska. Instead, they settle for field goal. Four points left on the board, all that kind of stuff. Even when Nebraska is doing good, as they are scoring their final touchdown of the game to cut the deficit from 30-16 to 30-22, missed extra point again. Um, That last touchdown drive, they get the ball with about nine minutes to go on the clock. Again, down two scores. And they go on a 19-play, 76-yard drive that takes six minutes and 42 seconds off the clock. So now they're kicking the ball back with under three minutes to go in the game. Uh, If you're watching that game, you're sitting there going, why is there no semblance of urgency from this offense? They're looking back to the sideline for play. There's no semblance of a two-minute drill. There's no semblance of an understanding that you are down by two possessions and you're going to need to score again, which means you need to score quickly now. So even when they're doing good and scoring touchdowns, they're kind of doing bad because they're minimizing their chances of getting the ball back and being able to score. Um, and so the game ends 30 to 22, Illinois wins Illinois, who is probably not going to be a very good football team this year. I feel very comfortable saying that they are playing the last three quarters of the game with their second string quarterback, Art Sikowski, a transfer from Rutgers who, when he played there, not a very good quarterback. I believe his touchdown to interception ratio when he played there was eight touchdowns and 20 picks. You get the point. Um, it's Nebraska doing the same things they've done over and over and over against a team that is really not that good. Um, And it's, again, going back to the words of Scott Frost, it's the same movie that this team has shown throughout his tenure and indeed 10 years before his. I want to read something from Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Nebraska's 0-1 before Labor Day because, yet again, it couldn't escape its own wrath. As Frost explains... This has been something of a perfect storm, the way the forces of football seem to continue to conspire against Nebraska. They feel snakebit, he said, in the sense that so many heirs snipe at the Huskers seemingly always in the wrong moments, end quote. So there's a television show called Justified. It's a good television show. There's a great, great, great quote within the show that I'm going to paraphrase here. One of the main characters, he's talking to another guy, he says, If you meet an asshole in the morning and you go about your day, then you met an asshole that day. That's it. Okay? Cut and dry. You move on. Um, But if you meet assholes all day long, then you are the asshole. It's a great quote uh, when it comes to, again, life in general. Another piece of, of wisdom that can be dispensed there. And it's a very similar concept when it comes to Nebraska football. Because if you consume this game in a vacuum, it was a one-off style of performance. You would look at it through the prism that I always look at football and sports in general and say, 
There's a lot of strange things that were not on your side today. Weird mistakes. I mean, when is your punt returner going to fill it and run back and take a safety? When are you going to miss two extra points again? Uh, Maybe the ref who called this roughing the passer call and the unsportsmanlike call could have interpreted that differently. It didn't seem that egregious at the time. Uh, There's a lot of strange turnovers uh, that go into every football game. In this one, Nebraska forces a turnover, but immediately thereafter, it's the Martinez fumble, which turns into a scoop and score. I mean, football can be funky. We all know if this game was in a vacuum, we would just write it off as such and say, go about your day, try to be better, and just don't even read too much into this performance. However, it's a different story when it comes to Nebraska football. Because if it's every single performance, the turnovers, the penalties, letting every single game be decided by seemingly fluky stuff that actually ties into the tapestry of a larger pattern that, again, extends beyond this season or this coaching staff, well, at that point, it is a reflection of you. You are the asshole, right? Um, That is the story of Nebraska football for over a decade now. Um, It is transcended coaching staff or administration, strangely enough. But all of these things, it's always... It ties into a pattern of a program and turmoil that doesn't have stable coaching or administration or maybe not the talent that they think that they have. So we circle back to the words of Bob Rotella. Love the challenge of the day, whatever that may be. And I think about that in terms of this football team. And I think about this in terms of the start of a season in general for every single team and how you work your way through the lows that will inevitably come for nearly every single team. Uh, The challenge now, it's there in front of you. How do you love that challenge? How do you respond to that? That is what will define you moving forward, right? And Nebraska football, if you want existential questions, it is the perfect place to settle down and philosophize. Trust me, I know. I've been here Every single step of the way since I was seven years old. I watch every game. Uh, I follow this program closely, much to my chagrin, over the last 20 years. And so when you're looking within this program um, and you're looking at these challenges and you're looking at how you find love for them, it's an uphill battle. There's no doubt about that. Um, The first question, if you're the team, you know, how do you find meaning in anything that you do? When your season seems to be over before it has even begun. You know, the hope for Nebraska football in 2021, it did not make it out of week zero. Not even week one, week zero. Uh, How do you find meaning moving forward in everything that you do at that point? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Um, If you're part of that coaching stuff, how do you find meaning when it seems like you are going to be out of a job sooner rather than later? Uh, the vultures are swirling or circling. Um, it seems like this entire staff will be coaching for their job this season uh, with not a lot of hope or optimism for Nebraska's ability to make a bowl or win even five or six games. How do you find meaning through the context of that? Um, how do you love the challenge of the day? when you know exactly what the challenge is for this particular season, 
Um, Nebraska is a football team without top-end talent or maybe even mid-level. That has That's kind of up in the air at every point. It's a team with poor coaching. Um, it is a team that just has a comedy of on-field errors that has spanned the last three coaching staffs, Frost, Riley, Pelini, with games still left on the schedule against Oklahoma, against Ohio State, against Michigan, against Wisconsin, against Iowa. Teams that are infinitely better than the Illinois team that just beat Nebraska on Saturday. Um, How deep can you dig with that in front of you, knowing what is there surrounding you in order to accept that challenge when you were just beaten by an Illinois team with their second-string quarterback? That's a dig very, very, very deep type scenario for this football team Um, and how they respond to that. It's going to define the 2021 season for them. Um, And last but not least, it's the question that has been continually asked for a very long period of time for this team within the state of Nebraska and for the fan base in general. Um, And it will continue to be the question moving forward until it finds an answer, if it ever does. As a program, how do you find love for the challenge that is before you for years and years and years into the future? Rebuilding a once proud program that makes the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over, regardless of coaching staff, regardless of administration, with absolutely no end in sight. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at CEO.com.